Hi there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of LTTK. Let's toast to knowledge with Olola Day. How is everybody doing today? As you can tell, I'm really excited because, of course, we are going to another country. And this country is one that I would really, really love to know a lot more about. And for that, I'm really thankful that I have a friend from that country. And she's with me here today. I'm really excited to welcome her. Wait, I haven't mentioned the country yet. Can you guys take a guess? Okay, let me not keep you too much in suspense. So we're going to Pakistan. Woo, who is excited? Well, I am and Zara is. So Zara, welcome to LTTK. How are you doing, girl? Thank you for having me, Lola. I am doing well. How are you doing? Well, as you can tell, I'm doing fantastic. I'm really excited. My energy levels are on 200, you know? <laughs> I'm so happy I'm doing great. Thank you. So, Zara, you're from Pakistan, okay? Tell us, who are you? And what is Pakistan known for? Like the most popular thing about Pakistan that everybody should know right now. So introduce yourself and then Pakistan. Let's go, let's get. Okay, assalamu alaikum. Uh, I mm. am that's how we say hello mm. in uh, our country. So I'm Zahra Ali Abbasi. I'm from Pakistan. I'm from one of the biggest cities in Pakistan called Lahore. Uh, we are known for food and fun, and I hope that's all the good things. We've been known for some not so good things in the past, I guess, but. I hope uh, the world knows us for better things now. I am currently a master's student in Ilmina, uh, Technical University Ilmina, studying media and communication sciences. And I'd like to tell the world that we are people of love and friendship and a colorful culture, full of food and uh, meeting and greeting people. Mm -hmm. And we're also known for our hospitality, actually. So. Oh. You should visit sometime. Everyone who's listening, you're all more than welcome to visit Pakistan and visit my city. And I'm sure you'll have a great time. So quick one though, before I comment, what's the capital of Pakistan? Islamabad. Great. Now let me talk about what Zara said. I have tasted the food you've made for me. I think biryani. Correct me. Yeah. Was it biryani? There was a time I came to your apartment and you made us really nice food. It was rice. Please, something really delicious. Can you remember? Uh, I, I made biryani and I also made chicken karahi. Mm. Okay, so, so just, it, hold on. <laughs> just hold on with that. But then you talked about hospitality and this is one thing that I can definitely say for you because, I mean, the first time I met you, I wasn't really sure about you, about your energy, about, you know, if you would like me as a person. But the funny thing is you would text me and be like hey girl how are you doing i'd like to invite you to this invite you to that i'm like so she likes me she likes me <laughs> so i i think you are actually right when you say that um pakistan is a country known for hospitality and i think this is something that i want everyone listening to know i've, I've met you and i've met a couple of other um, people from Pakistan. There was one on my floor, her name is Fariha, and she's also really very nice. So I must say that it's true. And then you talk about food, of course, you know, I think everyone listening to me already knows we've established that I like food. And you know, if there's somewhere there's food, I'm there, you guys, I'm really there. And I've tasted Zara's food, the biryani, and I think it's, it's um, one of the popular dishes in Pakistan. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So tell me about the chicken biryani. Is that is that the most popular food in Pakistan? Eating in Pakistan? Yes, uh, like the most. It's a staple. It's uh, you'll have that in all gatherings. You'll have that weekdays, weekends. Uh, you'll have that on weddings, on mm -hmm. parties. So okay. it's a dish made with first you make the curry with chicken. Mm -hmm and uh, potatoes it's made differently in different parts of the country and uh, but you make a spiced curry with chicken like you fry the chicken with a lot of spices and tomatoes and some put potatoes as well and then you layer it with boiled rice so there's mm -hmm. a layer of chicken curry and then there's a layer of boiled rice and then you repeat the layers once or twice 
mm-hmm. and uh, you put them on a low heat uh, to like these are boiled rice and already cooked chicken so you just put them on a low heat for 10 to 15 minutes until they are like one thing and then you just mix them up and it's it's really delicious mm. uh, it's like chicken and rice like curry and rice but mixed together yeah. and it's supposed to be spicy uh, not too spicy but for us it's normal but i've had friends from other european countries and even non european countries who tasted it and for them it's a little too much spicy mm-hmm. uh, but you can have that with yogurt and uh, with salads and it's it's really good yeah i mean in my country and from my culture like i'm i'm from the yoruba tribe we love spice so if it's spicy that is no problem absolutely no problem because we eat a lot of spice in my culture yeah so thank you for explaining that i forgot to ask you about your name and what it means so if you would tell me when i first heard your name like zara for those listening you probably think okay zara the designer zara spell your name and then what does it mean to clarify so my name is zahra so it's the brand name zara but with an h in the middle so it's z a h r a zahra yes so okay. it has its roots in the arab world mm-hmm. Uh it was uh it's name of many prominent women in Islamic history but it was the name of uh, the last prophet's daughter as well it and it has different meanings in different languages like in mm-hmm. arabic it's uh has like the brightest intelligent beautiful shining and star so like all good good things Good that thing, parents, absolutely <laughs> yes so, things that my parents thought i would be or uh, they wanted me to be so uh they named me that yeah and then ali abasi okay so abasi is just a family name it's mm-hmm. a name of you can say a caste there are different castes uh in the country so yeah. it's just a caste name, the family name and uh, ali again is uh the name of uh one of the prominent uh leaders in islam it he is the first uh you can say imam or mm-hmm. caliph of uh, the leader after the prophet uh when mm-hmm. he passed away so he was one of the leaders and mm-hmm. it's his name so okay. uh it's a, again a name in my family so zahra and then ali and then abasi okay Okay so who named you you said your parents right your So mom, yeah my my father uh gave like two three suggestions to my mother mm-hmm. and then she picked uh my name Zahra Okay is that typical of Pakistanis It's the... different uh between different families mm-hmm. in some families it's uh always uh, it's like grandparents naming the kid or an aunt or an uncle uh, mm-hmm. the eldest ones they're naming in some families it's just the parents they name them but mostly i've seen uh, grandparents or some people um would have their sis practice it's not like in my family but what they do is they i don't know they ask um some of like uh, religious scholars mm-hmm. uh like uh we have like i don't know like priests but okay. like islamic uh, scholars molvi yeah. yeah so they would ask uh, them and they would uh, go through the quran the holy mm-hmm. book that you follow and they would give you a letter uh, i i i i'm sorry i had i don't have the idea of how they decide on it okay. but they would give you the first letter uh, mm-hmm. that with which the name should begin and then uh-huh. people with that letter they pick up a name for their kid Mm, fascinating. Okay. Thanks for that. So, and now I'm wondering because you mentioned that um Zara Zahra, <laughs> I hope I pronounced it properly, but um you will pardon me if I didn't. Means bright star in Arabic. Yes, I think right. Uh, in, so, yeah. And then that leads me to questioning your language. Do you speak Arabic? Is that the what's the Should I say the main language in Pakistan? 
and then what are the other languages that are common commonly spoken the national language of pakistan is urdu okay. uh, urdu uh, is a mixture of many languages it was created somewhere in the 1800s Uh, mm-hmm. when we were ruled by the british and people uh, would go fight the wars that the british wanted them to from all over the subcontinent and the language uh, basically means uh, and i hope i'm saying it right means tribe which is like the people who used to go fight the wars mm-hmm. they created this language which which had words from arabic and persian and uh, I don't know Turkish and mm. uh, Hindi and wow. Sanskrit. So it's a mixture of Maybe. languages. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. But <laughs> it has the scripture like how you write it mm-hmm. is like Arabic. Okay. But how you speak is it's like very similar to Hindi which is the language spoken in India. Ah. So it's together for so many years. Yeah, because I was then going to ask that um, about the ties India has with Pakistan. I kind of see a lot of similarities. I feel like a lot of people even confuse Pakistani people for Indians because there's this look alike kind of, you know. So maybe I want to find out, maybe you can talk a little bit about like the ties that Pakistani has that Pakistan has with India. Of course if you know but if you don't it's also fine. Yeah I know what you know like they in the school teach us in schools but it's it's like the history it's always you know one sided mm-hmm. uh but it's uh, we lived together for a lot of 100 years like 2 300 years okay. mm-hmm. and so we share a lot of similar culture but then we got when the british thought they fought against the british for like 100 years yeah. 150 years and then okay. uh when they finally decided to give up the subcontinent and they just drew a line in between the continent and they are like okay you can have your countries so we were created on the base of the religion so we like mm-hmm. because we are muslims we want a separate country and india is uh another country now but uh we've had our like th- three four wars we fought between each other but the political and administrative ties aren't that good mm-hmm. uh there's always some tension between the two countries but mm-hmm. whenever i meet i have had a lot of indian friends and whenever mm-hmm. we all meet we're all like good friends good buddies we yeah. enjoy good time we they make biryani we make biryani it's like and they make chai we make chai so it's oh, okay nice and fun together uh-huh. the people are good both ways Yeah. But it's just that because of some pertinent issues in yeah, the region. Yeah, historically. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we disagree on some things so that's why there's always some stress between the countries. Okay. Great. So before I jump, I wanted to hear what Urdu sounds like. <laughs> what do you so, want me to say in Urdu? Yeah. Just wait. Tell me one thing that you really love in your apartment right now in Urdu and then you tell me in English. in your apartments look around you what's that one thing that you really love you cannot do without in your room and then say it in urdu and say it in english mere kamre se bahar ka jo nazara hai wo bahut khoobsurat hai aur wo mujhe bahut pasand hai yahan se aap pahad dekh sakte hain to ye aapke dimag ke sukoon ke liye aur akele baithne ke liye bahut acha hai Okay. Okay, girl. In English, what did you say? <laughs> I said that the view from my room, it's really nice. You can mm-hmm. see the hills and the mountains from here. And it is really relaxing for you to see, especially when you have like some personal free time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like the most about my room. Okay, I couldn't even connect anything between English and Urdu, but yeah, that, that's miles apart. It's it's no, it's thousands of miles apart. But yeah, it's really interesting to hear. Now let's take a little pause while I ask you something really random. Describe yourself in three words. The first word that comes is procrastination. I procrastinate a lot, which is not good. I don't want to be self-like 
righteous, but okay. Um, you're very kind. I thought you would say that you're very kind because. But I don't want to because it's like self praise. Okay, so but, now it's part because it's nice that we're talking about self praise because I saw something that your friend Sisha wrote on LinkedIn talking about how she grew up to kind of like downplay her strength. Um, Sisha is from where? India. India. Okay, so she was talking about how she was growing up and then, you know, she was taught to kind of never like, you know, speak out about her strength, about her superpower and, you know, coming here to Germany and now living her life as an adult, she can see that sometimes you really need to sell yourself, especially when you're looking for a job. Who are you? What can you do? What is your ability? You know what I mean? So I'm now kind of wondering, is that something that is typical of um pakistanis and indians to kind of like okay so you get what i mean tell me about it yes i do think uh that's common in our cultures specifically with women i i i presume mm-hmm. i would say that like at least in my experience because uh even men but uh it's like you don't just say that oh i'm a nice person oh i'm very kind oh i do this i do that it's just like people are going to be like, oh, you're being very narcissistic about yourself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's more like if somebody else says something nice about you, yeah, it's okay. But you shouldn't be saying nice things about yourself. Like, wow. it should so, be someone else's mouth. <laughs> this is really fascinating for me because I've always been told to, from at least, you know, my mom, my family, how I was raised. I was raised to really see myself as a superstar to see myself as really smart to like you know um how to say the word i wanted to say hype but i don't know if you get what it means in the context of this conversation yeah so basically to talk really big about myself even if i'm not necessarily there so would you say that um this is a good thing or is it a bad thing what do you think is there like somewhere do, do we need to get to kind of like a balance because like if i talk about the context of work you really want a job and they're asking you why should we hire you that's an opportunity for you to talk about your strengths so if do you think that right now the conversation needs to shift especially around women to not make themselves feel small but be very confident in their strength and superpower and speak about it because really people need to know I agree because I think it's about internalizing mm-hmm. and then expressing it because yeah. uh, even if we do feel that way because uh, even I've been brought up and I know people girls around me in my culture that like your, their parents would be encouraging they'd be like yes you're strong and you need to be strong and I think that's more of the expression is more like you need to be strong and you need mm-hmm. to learn and this rather than being like you are strong and you are confident and yes you can achieve mm-hmm. so the choice of words can vary but there is positive encouragement but then at the end of the day the real point is like most of the time the cult it's the overall perception is to downplay yourself mm-hmm. so i can relate to you when i am applying anywhere I always get in self-doubt. I'm always like, I am not good enough for this position and I'm not gonna, and it leads me to not actually applying for the job or internships or stuff like that. I'd mm-hmm. be like, no, 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 no. I, I'm not gonna, like, even when I was applying here for masters, I was like, I'm not gonna get into the program. So, but okay, I'll apply. So I just applied for fun and I got it. So I was like, okay. Yeah. Don't worry. Call me anytime you need some self-talk. I will talk to you, girl. I will, <laughs> I will tell you, Zara, you can do this. You are a superstar. <laughs> but, but really, yeah, you are. you've already done that with me. Like, uh, I really, really, uh, you know, credit you for doing that for me for the one year that we studied together. Yeah. Like, because uh, the course that we were in together yeah. was really, see, yeah. uh, yes, and it, it was like a crisis course because the method of research was very different than what I was doing in all other courses mm-hmm. and uh, it was group work and then I like I said before I'm not ashamed of uh, admitting I procrastinate a lot so I <laughs> and I remember you uh, telling me in the first meeting Sara that's not gonna work and you need to work on time and we're gonna set deadlines and you're gonna submit work on time 
and I tell that to everyone whenever uh, people ask me about my experience in class I'm like I've had the most fun experience in all my courses and I've learned different things from different people from mm-hmm. everyone you Lydia Melissa Jake and Jess Aliona everyone and I'm like and I'm so thankful to people for making me learn good things and positive things and not actually putting me down like you know like people would be like oh you work late or uh you're not good and because of you our submissions are getting late and stuff but you were always like positive and encouraging Dara, we need to submit come on let's let's go through the document and let's delete all the extra stuff and over mm-hmm. like go through it again and again and it's uh difficult to find people uh who understand your weaknesses mm-hmm. but rather than putting you down they actually motivate you to work on them yeah. and work better and i learned that from you so thank you very Aww, much. thank you so much and the, I, so this is where me i actually have to be like well it's not that deep <laughs> but it yeah. is it Thank is because okay. i told that to you know to uh, the girls that i was working with in other courses uh-huh. uh, like when i was working with melissa and lydia and then they realized that yes i do procrastinate and the only way to make me work faster is by setting deadlines before the actual deadlines because mm-hmm. then i would feel like uh, it's also like if it's a group assignment i feel more responsible for other people as well that i can mm-hmm. if it's an individual assignment i can sacrifice that but i cannot sacrifice a group assignment yeah. so they learn that and they're like if lola can make you do that then we can make you do that too and uh-huh. i'm like yeah so i guess at the end of the day we're all superstars okay yes. okay great um i kind of think that we went on another tangent so let's bring it back to the culture series tell me one place that a foreigner should visit in pakistan for tourism okay it depends if you want to visit the city life um uh, mm-hmm. like fun food definitely i'll say my city it's lahore it's full of history Mm-hmm. uh history through the mogul when the yeah. mogul does so it has a lot of uh ancient buildings it has one of the largest mosques mm-hmm. of the region really hundreds of years of old architecture yeah. and markets and food places that are hundreds of years old and mm-hmm. they serve like very good delicious food there's music there's party there's yeah. the cafe culture is there as well like the modern food and mm-hmm. uh continental food and you'll find yeah. everything there but mm-hmm. if you really want if you're a nature person mm-hmm. and if you really want to see uh nature at its like purest form untouched uh where it's just the mountains and the valleys and snow then mm-hmm. i definitely say you should go somewhere to the northern areas you should go visit kashmir you should you should go visit gilgit uh hunza sawat these are like really beautiful places uh beautiful people really hospitable and sweet and they really light up when they see tourists mm-hmm. and they would treat you like guests not like a uh-huh. tourist yes that's very good to know and we will keep that in mind when we are planning to do like a tour of asia if we di- if i didn't mention i think um pakistan is in south asia yes we are okay. right we are in between uh india china somewhere afghanistan mm-hmm. iran so yeah. quite close with all the countries yes okay great all right now let's switch it up a little bit now we're getting to marriage How is marriage? You you just smiled because you know marriage marriage getting married. Okay, so how is marriage seen in Pakistan and what's the process for getting married? I'm really curious to know this one. So, tell me. Marriage in Pakistan is uh, not just like two people getting married. It's always like two families and families families everyone getting together and knowing each other and coming together um the most common concept of getting married in pakistan is arranged marriage so mm-hmm. it's been arranged by the people so the bride and the groom's parents they uh the bride and the groom don't know each other and it's just the parents who found these families 
they mm. would know each other they would be uh, they can be completely strangers strangers, yeah. strangers or they would be uh, family friends or relatives or uh, cousins i know that's not in some cultures cousins don't marry each other but in our culture uh, it's okay to marry your cousins so they oh, would wait sorry cousin like direct cousin or second second third cousin because no 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 direct cousins oh wow okay yes yes okay. i know that weirds out a lot of people from different cultures uh i didn't realize that when i would have conversations with friends here uh mm-hmm. but uh, it's completely normal in our yeah. culture so the families would set up the wedding and mm-hmm. the marriage and the boy and the girl would not know each other that much uh but once it's set and once uh the families have met then the boy and girl can start talking and get to know each other and they marry mm-hmm. but then the concept of love marriage is also now very common in pakistan so if a boy and a girl like each other they talk to their parents and they make the families meet and they hopefully if they agree then uh they can have their happily ever afters mm-hmm. so how long does this process take for so give me an example arranged marriage now what's like the duration and is there like a ceremony if there is a ceremony for the joining of the two families how long does it take and then is there any like traditional um um they call it dowry or bride price or something that one family gives to the other family as a symbol of you know um making a choice to marry this person you got an yeah so um the length of the procedure it varies from again from family to family sometimes it's like really quick uh they meet and they are like oh we really want this to happen real quick so between like 2 to 3 months or 6 months mm-hmm. the wedding just happens or okay. sometimes it takes a very long time like people are like they get engaged first and then the next year they're gonna get uh they sign the marriage thing which is mm-hmm. in us it's called nikah so, okay. uh, which is the religious way of getting married like mm-hmm. they ask both the boy and the girl a few things and then they ask like you know the i do like do you agree yeah, or yeah. do you have permission and then you say yes you have to say yes mm-hmm. three times both the bride and the groom mm-hmm. and you sign the papers and uh, then you have the wedding uh the weddings are very extravagant a lot okay. of like big parties uh like as much as one can afford and sometimes mm-hmm. people even try to go beyond their budget to host as big of a wedding as they can and it's not just a one day thing it's like sometimes it goes on for weeks and uh, yes and minimum it's for 3 4 days okay minimum wow minimum yes wow okay <laughs> all right interesting hmm thank you for that taking a little break Did I miss any part of that question the wedding one dowry you asked about dowry yeah 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 yes. okay so dowry so uh traditionally i know uh it's very opposite to what's in africa that i've learned in our culture the bride's family is supposed to give dowry uh to the groom and his family uh i and again and now that i've met people from other countries i realize it's again a weird concept for other people that why mm-hmm. is bride's family giving but that's been a tradition in the sub- yes it's a tradition in the subcontinent in pakistan in india uh maybe i, I don't know maybe even in bangladesh so uh it's all the house stuff or money and uh, now it's very looked down upon in our country there's all also been laws passed against this that you're okay. not allowed to give dowry uh to the groom uh but then there's also exchange of material things and gifts i think that's also very common but that's also a very big financial strain mm-hmm. on both the sides more mostly mostly on the bride side Mm-hmm. Uh in my experience I've mostly seen that the bride side is has to do more than the groom 
mm-hmm. uh, for the wedding, which is actually quite opposite to the Islamic way of getting married, because mm-hmm. uh, the religion calls for a very simple wedding, mm. and just for the only thing mandatory in the wedding is a reception, okay. and that needs to be hosted by the groom. Mm-hmm. But uh, culturally, now the wedding is such a big thing, and most of it is done by the bride side. Mm-hmm. And the reception is the most smallest event, which is done mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. groom. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, so, it's, the, so the the brides spend more money, basically. Yes, which, okay. but now because of uh, COVID for the past year and a half, people have had very small weddings just in the house. A few people mm-hmm. gathered, and they have the nikah. And uh, then for the reception, they'll just have a small family dinner. So mm-hmm. to each to his own. Like, but yeah. for my preference, I prefer like smaller gatherings, which are not mm-hmm. financially burdening, and you just have close ones with you. Okay, great. Now I think we would take a little break, and then let me ask you: if you could teach someone anything, what would it be? Teach. Mm-hmm. Idea? Can it be an idea? Just, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'd like that people don't need to agree mm-hmm. on everything, but still respect the difference. The differences. I get what you yes. mean. Tolerance. Yeah. Yes, because I, I think that's the basic problem with all conflicts and fights between people and all the negativity and hate that we just want people to think the way we think mm-hmm. and we can't mm-hmm. like whether it's politics whether it's human rights whether it's religion anything even the way we wash dishes it could be different but mm-hmm. i don't know we don't have to agree on it mm-hmm. let the other person do what they want to do Mm-hmm. but respect them for how they choose to be themselves mm-hmm. and like respect the differences yeah because uh, yes and mm-hmm. you don't have to judge people for the differences that they have from you mm-hmm. that's that right speaking truth here thank you so much for that oh that was very honest and true i agree I think yeah tolerance is something that we should be more aware of how i mean we are billions of people in the world and we would definitely not agree i mean even in my family i disagree with my brother i don't do things the way he does and that is in a family how much more in a school you know in a culture in the country surrounded by different people from different co- countries you know so yeah i get what you mean thank you so much for that zara <laughs> now let's go back so i wanted that little break so that you could just relax a little bit and be more <laughs> yeah um now let's talk about uh, burial when people die in pakistan how is the process of burying the dead carried out how quick is it how fast is it you know what i mean yeah it's supposed to be uh, done as quickly as possible mm-hmm. because the religious concept is that you are it's like you owe it that like the body is for like it's like god gave you that mm-hmm. so you need to bury it as quickly as possible but the mm-hmm. biological sense behind it is that it starts to decompose as soon as it's dead so you need yeah. to bury it taking so that okay do it as quickly as possible mm-hmm. uh do people wait uh for their loved ones to reach yes they do mm-hmm. uh especially now with modern technology where you can put the bodies in the mortuary mm-hmm. yes uh so the procedure is basically that you washing the body so it's called mm-hmm. ghusl and uh, you bathe the body with water and you clean it up and then you wrap it in a plain white cloth Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's like a standard cloth uh, mentioned in the book because it's like every that's the simplest thing that you can wear to your burial, and it should be in that. And uh, then the bodies are kept in the house for a while, and it's mostly kept where the women are sitting, women or the family uh, of the house, 
and people just sit near it and grieve for as long as they want for a while and then the men come and they ask for permission if they can take the body to get it buried and uh, they take it away they take it either to the closest mosque or mm-hmm. the cemetery they keep it there and then there's a prayer that they have to offer namaz mm-hmm. and uh, they offer that and then they bury the dear one that has passed away yeah and then they offer prayers at the grave and then they return home so okay, it's a so men thing yeah it's women very don't go. ah women don't okay ah okay so that is even why they the women are the ones who are with the body in the house so that they can at least spend time with the body until the men come to take it away because i was going to ask why why is it that the women are the ones breathing first you know why not the two it's mostly like the men are the ones who would be uh outside the house sitting and greeting people who are coming to uh, okay. give condolences and mm-hmm. then uh women are the ones that are inside they're sitting mm-hmm. and it's like a tough time so they'd be just sitting and crying and grieving yeah. Yeah. and uh, whenever they are done with washing the body they bring it and they keep it there for a while mm-hmm. unless all the important people of the family and friends have gathered and then they take it away but women do not go to the cemetery the graveyard for the burial okay, okay. Hmm. all right <clears throat> it's a very sad thing i mean death is something that is inevitable but clearly i guess in pakistan there is no celebration it's more of a grieving process like sad things so because in some cultures like where i come from depending on the age if it's an old person not i mean they grieve but they also celebrate you know they celebrate that the person lived to a ripe old age and then they throw a party and invite people to come eat drink you know it's fun dancing celebrating the life of the person who you know lived yeah so that's like a very different um, perspective from my culture and to yours yeah the people would say that you know if a person was sick or was old if they are sick then people would be like that the god eased their pain mm-hmm. by taking them away if they were ill or if they had suffered an incident an accident or something so they would always say that allah has eased their pain and mm-hmm. we should be like not that sad mm-hmm. but you know, it's it's it can never be a happy thing you would always see people crying and grieving and uh it's followed up by more uh, like the next day or the day after that mm-hmm. we have uh, kul which is uh, again the people would come to the family's house mm-hmm. they would sit and then they would pray okay. uh, recite verses from the holy quran Mm-hmm. for giving blessings to the soul okay. uh to ease their path to eternal life yeah. so it's like the more you pray for them the more blessings they get and it eases yeah. their path to the eternal life and for judgment and everything mm, okay mm, all right fascinating now to another angle Let's talk about respect. What would you say is considered disrespectful if a foreigner does this? Like what is what does your culture consider as disrespectful? I think clothing. I don't know uh if it's right or if it's wrong, but uh covered modest clothing is something that's if you're coming to Pakistan, mm-hmm. uh modest in a way that uh you can wear jeans you can wear tops and shirts mm-hmm. just like uh, things like skirts especially women uh short skirts long skirts are okay in bigger cities yes you might be able to get away with that but in uh when as soon as you start going to the interior parts of the country that are less mm-hmm. uh developed or even if they are they are culturally less progressive so mm-hmm. it's just that people expect you to respect the culture through your dressing for okay. instance if you're going to a mosque mm. because we have a lot of historical mosques 
and people uh, tourists do go and visit those so mm-hmm. uh, people would tell you like this in the sweetest way possible or uh, would be really happy when they see a foreigner uh, dressed in traditional clothes or even if they're mm-hmm. wearing shirts and jeans mm-hmm. and the women would have a scarf on their head Like a yeah. Yes, like a whale, and uh, it's just something people consider like very sweet, and it would go viral on Pakistani social media that all these foreigners visited this historical mosque and see how sweet they are and they respect mm-hmm. the culture. Yeah. So I think that's something that we clothing is something yeah. that we. Do. Yeah, I guess I mean it's kind of like in your in Rome behave like the Romans. Yeah. Okay. What is one misconception about? Pakistan that you would like to correct if you will the one main conception misconception would be that it's not a safe place to visit for people mm-hmm. i know post 9/11 uh, we were a place that was uh, fighting a lot of problems especially related to terrorism mm-hmm. uh, we have suffered a lot we have worked very hard our Uh, people and everyone uh, the government and army and all yeah. the police they've yeah. like really suffered a lot they've given a lot of sacrifice and um a lot of uh, <clears throat> the local people who mm-hmm. actually relied on tourism for their living they suffered a lot but now it's really uh, easy and it's really uh, safe for the people to visit so that's one misconception that i think okay. every time every pakistani is trying to debunk mm-hmm. that it's okay for you to uh, visit of okay. course we, yeah. we we want people not to be like uh like i said like uh just clothing and some stuff just don't uh tell the people that you're not respecting the place that you're visiting mm-hmm. uh but other than that it's like uh completely safe hospitable lot of fun lot of food uh and people would yeah. actually treat you like uh, gods when they you know they see foreigners coming really yes they I they really cheer up yeah they really cheer up when they see foreigners coming in they're like yes yes and uh you would see um if people are listening and they want to go visit pakistan if you see on internet vlogs of travelers you'd see they don't uh, have to even pay for stuff that they get because people are so just happy because for a long time we were not having any tourists and now when people see tourists uh, they are so happy that they are like no no you're just our guests and uh, we don't take money from guests you know like if a guest yeah. comes to your house you wow. don't let them pay for the food so people wow. are like no, no, just just eat just enjoy so it's a real fun place for people to be that's nice maybe when you're back in pakistan you can invite me so that i'll come because i don't want to be the only one you know you just take me around we'll have some yes. fun <laughs> holidays yeah that would be nice okay um what are you most proud of as a native of pakistan most yeah just one thing <laughs> I think I'm uh proud for it to survive through so much war and accusations for terror because mm-hmm. I remember when we were little in the world map I don't know which organization released their world map and uh, in 2012's world map Pakistan was uh taken off the world map and they were like it won't be there because we were uh, fighting the war uh and everything so i'm just uh proud like apart from all the cultural things that i'm proud of i'm proud mm-hmm. of the vibrant culture we have we have so many languages that people speak so many different kinds of clothes so many different kinds of music food everything but i'm proud that the people are so strong and resilient mm-hmm. uh We, every country has their challenges we do have poverty we have education is a problem but women rights and but we are still there people still just want to keep growing it's 
and keep making changes and keep mm-hmm. making it better yeah. uh, be it education be it uh, like fighting the terror um, women making uh, like developments in all sectors mm-hmm. so i just think i'm most proud for the people uh, trying to survive i missed all of that yes because it's yeah. not easy it, it it's easier said than done i can imagine yes uh but uh, it's uh, like an ongoing process yeah. and it takes time yeah okay i can imagine i mean especially with the terrorism thing going on like sometimes when people think of pakistan they just think of oh terrorism you know and that's not it you know things have changed and every pakistani is trying to change the narrative and say you know what this is really not it yes it was probably in the past but i mean years have gone by and things are much better and maybe another thing is the reporting the media is not covering it properly you know and the yeah. thing with media and narrative and reporting them presenting only one side of an issue such that it's now increasing your stereotype about that country or the topic whatever it is yeah but regardless keep pushing keep being strong okay yes it's going to get better <laughs> yes um so maybe one more last question um would you classify yourself as a true representation of the culture in your country Yes, and are you an ideal Pakistani or <laughs> there's something like that? No, no, I think I'm one of the privileged people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there are people who are like actually struggling, and they and it's so diverse. Pakistan, like um, you would see uh, the actual like when you search Pakistan, you'd see women and men in. traditional clothing and uh i don't know i i am a representation of pakistan but am i the only representation of pakistan no i don't know there if one can be a true representation i don't know i'm getting into all philosophy and stuff but people are so different they have mm-hmm. the backgrounds with the country and the mm-hmm. with the city that they belong to mm-hmm. i belong to one of the most developed and one of the most populated cities of the country Mm. so i've had good education and thanks to god i've had uh, a lot of exposure i'm living in europe but most of pakistanis don't yeah so uh i am a positive representation of pakistan i can say but uh not the true west yeah i get it but thank you for clarifying that or explaining that describe the pakistani flag I think it's a very beautiful flag so describe it. So the flag has two sections the white part which is uh one third of the flag and then it has the two thirds of the flag is green. So the green represents uh Islam and the majority of the population that's Muslim and the white represents all the minorities of the country all religions other than Islam. Uh, which is purity white is the color of purity and uh, then in the green section you have the crescent and the star uh crescent moon and a five pointed star which symbolizes progress mm-hmm. the crescent resembles symbolizes progress and the star represents uh, light okay. so it's for like progress as in knowledge Mm-hmm. and like you need to be progressive and you need to learn and then the light rainbow uh, resembles symbolizes it's very like very bad uh, the star yeah. represents the light okay uh, yes so i hope that's clarified enough yeah that's good thank you so much zara you mentioned the other religions you just said that you know the, the crescent is for the other religions the minority what other religions yeah the white part what other religions are present in there are a lot of christians in uh, pakistan 
then there in certain parts you'll find a lot of Hindu population. Then there are Parsi people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sikh population is there. I'm not. I don't want to stereotype people, but they are people you would see uh, men with beards, and they have this big turban on their head. Okay. So they're sick people. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Like S I K H. Yes. Ah, and they yeah, dance yeah. really well. They okay. dance really well. Their music is really like pop music kind of things, and they speak okay. Punjabi, and uh-huh. they're really fun people, foody people, fun people. So. Okay. 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 Great. So thank you so much, Lara, for joining me on today's episode. I really enjoyed learning quite a lot, I must say, about Pakistan. And thank you for being so honest. I mean, you just, you know, spoke your heart and you were very honest about your opinion. And I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much, Zara, for being here with me and discussing about your country. I really learned a lot about Pakistani people and the culture in general terms. Of course, this doesn't represent every Pakistani. I believe there would be, you know, some differences, but yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for uh, listening. I, I, I tried to make sense out of it, uh, of all everything that I said, uh, but yeah. thank you so much for all such interesting questions that actually uh, had me thinking about my own country that oh, I, I need to have proper answers for this and mm-hmm. I hope everyone that's listening they get to know the world because you've been doing all these podcasts about different cultures uh, Italy and Pakistan and others so I really hope people could get to know different countries and their yeah. culture and their people through your podcasts yeah. and get to know all the fun that's all around the world yeah thank you thank you everyone for listening and don't forget we're still doing culture series and i will catch you in my next episode with another country of course but until then don't forget to toast to knowledge because what you know is never enough okay bye